T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Andrea Barton-Reeves. She is CEO of the Connecticut Paid Leave Authority. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Tell us about the new paid leave program, which has begun to roll out, but the benefits don't start paying out until next year. That's right. So the paid leave program is rolled out in two phases. The first is funding the trust fund, and that happens this year. And uh, payments to the trust fund are due at the end of April, but we know that payroll deductions of the one half of 1% from all employees eligible for the program started in January. So we have employers almost 87,000, actually, as we speak, 88,000 employers who have made their way through this pandemic to register with the Paid Leave Authority, and they are beginning to submit those contributions. So we're really grateful grateful to them for all of the work that they put in to make this possible under the most challenging of circumstances. And once those benefits are available, as you rightly pointed out next year, People will be able to take pay time off to take care of themselves if they have a serious health condition, their family members, those that are serving our country, they will be able, the family members will be able to take leave to take care of them if they've been injured during active duty, or if they're going to be deployed overseas, they'll be able to take time to uh, put things in order before they go. Uh, And what's unique to Connecticut is that up to 12 days of leave are available if you are a victim of domestic violence. So it really is a law that provides a lot of benefit for a lot of people. Now, you've made a lot of headway, as you noted, getting employers to sign up. At this point, is it going to individual businesses and saying, hey, you need to do this? Because I would suspect if you're a really small operation, you may not know. You're absolutely right. And we have been doing that. We actually have a very robust campaign where we've been reaching out to small businesses. We ended up surveying almost 600 small businesses to ask exactly how do you get your information. You'll be glad to know they primarily get it through radio, which is terrific. So we've been spending a lot of time on radio, really reaching out to those businesses. And we see that that's really working and we won't stop. We've given webinars and trainings to to as few as four people and to as many as 150. It doesn't really matter what size your business is. If you need support in complying with the paid leave program, that's what we're here for, and that's what we're doing. Now, is any employer exempt? 
There are categories of employers who are exempt, and they include municipalities and local or regional boards of education, unless they have organized labor, a union, and then they can vote to participate in the program. What we normally refer to as private or independent schools, they are also exempt. Federal employees, of course, because we have no jurisdiction as a state over any federal employees, and some employees of the state of Connecticut. So those employees in the state who are not in a union, they are participating, but all others who are, they have the option to collectively bargain to participate. There are some federal employees, railroad workers and the like, um, very small percentages of employees who are also exempt, but the categories they listed are really the most uh, frequent that we hear from around exemption. And so uh, what we have employers do really is just ask us very frequently whether they should be a part of the program or not. And most likely the answer is yes, because if you have one or more employees and you're not in any of the categories that are listed, then you're part of the program. Now, you've said you don't want to be punitive in getting employers to sign up. At some point, does that change if a business knows that they have this duty and just refuse to? Yes, it it will have to change. And I have, and you're absolutely right, I have said that as an agency, we're not really looking to be punitive. We know it's a new program. We know it's a very challenging time for our state and our country and the the world, quite, quite frankly. So we haven't really seen a lot of utility in being punitive. And you can see that just from the numbers of registrations as they're growing exponentially now, that having a a more supportive, positive approach is really working with employers. But you're right, there will be a percentage of employers, hopefully very small, who just won't comply. And under those circumstances, we do have the right under the law to impose fines and penalties. They will most most likely look like they will be responsible wholly for all of the money that should have been collected on behalf of their employees. And they may not go back to their employees to get any of that funding. We have the right to do that. There might be other penalties that are imposed and we're working on that with our board to determine what those might be. But at a minimum, we will pursue those uh, contributions directly from the employer if they're not compliant. Now, right now, if employers haven't started collecting that one half of 1% from employee wages, there is a catch-up provision, correct? There is, and it's available through June 30th. So if for whatever reason there might be, including the reason that we just discussed that there are many small employers that might not still be aware of the program and their obligation to participate, they may not have started withholding. So they have until the payrolls that end on June 30th to use a catch-up period that's been approved by the Department of Labor. And during that catch-up period, they can take an additional 1% in addition to the half a percent until they reach the appropriate amount of withholding that should have been withheld since January. If they're not able to do that, then that employer will be on the hook for the difference between what can be collected between now and June 30th and what should have been collected between January and June. If they feel that they really need more time, then that's a discussion that will that we can help them have uh, with the pay leave authority and then eventually with, with the Department of Labor. Now, one of the employers that didn't start at the beginning of the year was the state of Connecticut for non-unionized employees, but we heard this past week that they're working on it, correct? That's right. So I I can uh, speak very carefully for my colleague, uh, Kevin Lembo, the state controller. 
You did speak this week to the issue of having lots of technical challenges in order to be able to withhold the one half of 1% from uh, state employees, those non-union employees that are uh, participating in the program. But the state itself is using the catch-up period. And again, I think, Erin, this speaks to why it, it would not be appropriate for us to be punitive with respect to other businesses when we are experiencing ourselves at the state, how challenging it can be uh, to change your systems and your programs in order to be compliant. So we want to walk alongside businesses. And you're right. So that process has been fixed. I know the controller is very relieved as a result of that. And so we will all uh, now be making our contributions uh, retroactively through the end of uh, June. Now, speaking of being punitive, is there any concern or any provision in the program for employers who might take action against a worker who tries to avail themselves of this benefit? Yes. And that has always been the case. I think what most people don't understand is that we've always had family and medical leave in the state of Connecticut. Since the early 90s, we've had federal medical leave and state family and medical leave. It's just not been paid. And there have always been uh, provisions for inappropriate behavior by employers, and including retaliation. And those have not gone away. And they will remain in place throughout the, the entirety of the program and uh, family and medical leave in, in and of itself. But if an employer, for some reason, denies uh, that family and medical leave benefit, an employee can still, as they can now, apply to the grieve that decision to the Department of Labor. If, however, uh, we at the Paid Leave Authority make a determination that a person is not eligible for paid leave benefits and they have a concern about that, they too can then challenge that decision with the Department of Labor. But I just want to make sure that people know that the right to take family medical leave has existed in the state for well over 20 years. Are there any circumstances under which an employer can deny leave? An employer can deny leave if the person, for example, uh, doesn't present with a reason that is uh, an appropriate reason for taking leave under the statute. So if they are, uh, you know, for example, taking leave to care for someone, but that person doesn't have a serious health condition or, uh, or they're taking it for some other reason that isn't covered, then an employer can, in fact, say, no, you're not eligible for the leave and not take it. Uh, and that, of course, may be a decision that an employee may disagree with. And as I mentioned before, they do have a, a path of recourse for that. But generally, family and medical leave is an entitlement. So unless there really is a compelling reason not to provide it, employers have to do so. So this program provides for up to 12 weeks of benefits. Are those paid out directly by the Department of Labor or is this done through the employer? It's actually neither. It's it's the paid leave benefits will be paid by the paid leave authority. So we will um, be responsible for calculating that benefit, for determining eligibility, and for paying the benefit directly to the employee. So the employer really doesn't play a role other than uh, granting family and medical leave itself and uh, determining whether or not that employee has any other time that they could take off that would help them to cover wage replacement in the time that they're away. And uh, then they send the employee over to the pay leave authority. And then we determine uh, whether or not they can get paid. And if so, how much? 
You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Andrea Barton-Reeves. She is CEO of the Connecticut Paid Leave Authority. There have been some questions about whether the paid leave fund that's being billed up right now will be adequate to deliver the, the money for the level of benefit that the, the program is, is set to pay out. Do you want to address that? Certainly. It's a question that we received often, and it's a very fair one. First, I'll say that we've had an actuarial analysis that was conducted in the latter part of last year, I would say late fall, that indicated that even in the worst case scenario, meaning that our economy never recovered, COVID remained a significant factor in the state that continued to affect employment, that the fund would remain solvent. And so we know that and we feel confident in relying on those numbers because the the rigor behind that that particular report uh, is is pretty strong. But in the event that there should be an issue with solvency, the statute does provide for an adjustment in benefits payments so that the fund can remain solvent. Obviously, we would prefer not to use that particular portion of the statute if we don't have to. But the idea is that it should remain solvent so that everyone can receive some level of benefit, even if it isn't one that is specific to the statute as it's written right now. Do you anticipate sort of a pent-up demand for this once the benefits start paying out January 1 of 2022? We absolutely do. And we know that from other states uh, who also have paid leave programs, they've told us that there is pent-up demand. Anecdotally, in speaking to friends and family in our and our team and our colleagues speaking to their own friends and family, we do know that there are people who are waiting to have their surgeries and have their babies and 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 you know engage in other kinds of care for family members because they are waiting for the paid leave program. It's not uncommon. We've seen it in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Washington State, California, Hawaii. And so we are preparing ourselves for that. Talk a little about the level of benefits. It's not 100% wage replacement, correct? No, it is not. And it depends on essentially on how much you're making. So if you are making 40 times the minimum wage or less, which is about $480 right now, then you receive 95% of your base weekly wage. If you make more than that, then you receive the 480. This part's a little bit complicated. Plus the difference between what you make and the 480 times 60%. So you get 60% of the difference that you make. Let me try it again. You make 60% of the difference between what you make and the 480. And then we put that together and that's how you end up with your formula. So the, the part above of the $480 gets a little convoluted. And I'm not always great at explaining. I'm always better at showing it. But the maximum that anybody can get is 60 times the minimum wage. So right now that would be $720 a week. What sort of safeguards will be in place so people aren't able to take advantage of the system? So there are a few safeguards. And, and actually, they start with employers So right now, some employers have in place different types of pay time off and other types of policies that can uh, protect themselves from having people taking months and months of leave at a time. It's It's a phenomenon that we call stacking. So if employers have policies that require the person to use some of their own leave before they can take paid family and medical leave, 
Other states have told us that that is a way that people can use their family and medical leave benefits really uh, more judiciously. That's the word that I will use. Uh, if your policies don't ex exactly align to that, there are um, employment and labor lawyers that you can speak to that can help just give you some advice on, around how to do that. The other one is just tracking leave very carefully, which we will be doing at the Paid Leave Authority and keeping very close watch as to how much leave is taken and for and the reasons why. In addition to that, every time a person takes leave, they have to come to you with a medical certification that indicates the reason why they're taking the leave and how long they'll be away. So there are safeguards that employers uh, can use. And if the employer has some concerns about either the amounts of leave, the types of leave, or the uh, frequency of the leave, the statute also provides for other safeguards where employers can ask for second or third opinions. They can refer their employees to other healthcare providers so that they can have some assurance that the leave that's being taken is in fact legitimate. All right. Say I work for a company that has a generous paid leave program already, and I've got a bunch of sick time built up. Sell this program to me. Why is it helpful to me and maybe society in general for me to forgo one half of 1% of my pay? Sure. So uh, there are employers that have very generous paid leave programs, and some of them have uh, very generous short-term disability programs. But what we've discovered in our, our discussions with employers is that they're not as expensive as the reasons for leave that we offer at the Paid Leave Authority, uh, nor do they cover family violence leave. And in some cases, if they do cover the qualifying exigency leave or the leave for military families, not all of that leave is paid. Some may cover as little as two weeks, some may cover six, ours covers 12. So if we're talking about supporting those that defend our country, if we're talking about providing additional support for, for women who are having babies, and if we're talking about providing support for people who are victims of domestic violence, those are things that paid leave benefit programs with most employers offer right now. And we know that employees have been asking for this for quite some time. And it offers 12 weeks in a 12-month period. Some employers offer less than that, obviously, because it can be expensive to do so. Just a few, and we're talking like the very large multinational organizations offer a bit more, but this offers a guarantee of that length of leave, and it offers a guarantee for leave for the reasons that are articulated. And that, I think, gives employees more stability and it gives employers more predictability. And that's the reason why paid leave makes a difference, uh, not just in this state, but uh, in the other states where they have it as well. Have you seen employers starting to change their leave policies in anticipation of this law or this program going into effect next year? We've seen a few, but not as many as we would have expected. Uh, some employers, in fact, I think what they've done from what we've seen, and granted it's just anecdotal, is that they've just, they've reiterated what their leave policies are so it can be more clearly articulated for their employees. Some have made a few changes, but none that we know of that are so draconian and so different as to make accessing paid leave benefits almost impossible. We've been really trying to provide employers with enough information that they can understand the intersection of the benefits that they provide with how paid leave would work so that they can make really reasoned decisions on how they may change their policies if they choose to do so. Certainly, there have been discussions over the years about a national paid leave program. 
Have there been any discussions at the state level what happens to this program if there is a national program that is implemented? Certainly, there have been these discussions. Uh, but as I referred to earlier, we already have federal family medical leave and state family and medical leave that have been running concurrently in the state of Connecticut for 20 years. So this would not be a new phenomenon. What we need to know are what the details are of that new law and figure out ways that they either work in a complementary fashion and where there might be some conflict, we would find ways to resolve that. Uh, essentially, it would be another paid leave benefit, but without knowing more about what that law might look like, it's tough to say. But I know that we're following it closely and we're prepared at the Paid Leave Authority to make adjustments as needed so that we could continue to provide paid leave benefits to the people in the state who are paying for them. And we think that they deserve the best that we can do. Hopefully we've already answered some of them, but what other common questions do you get about this program? Well, the most common question we get is, why aren't you stood up now? We, we really need benefits as we speak. Uh, and obviously, as much as we would like to be available immediately, it, it really does take a year of funding the trust fund and then the next year for benefits payments. The other question that we get quite often is, how are you going to prevent against uh, fraud? Because it's really a significant challenge. We know that uh, for unemployment programs, not just in our state, but across the country, and we have uh, a number of, I should say, we, should have, we have a number of ways in which we are looking to combat fraud through a lot of technology that we have that's available. Uh, fortunately, what we've been able to learn from other states is are the common ways in which people try to access benefits to which they are not entitled. So we have a good head start, having been the eighth state, that we can learn from others and we can implement some of those changes so that we can minimize and mitigate fraud as much as we can. How, uh, and those are really the most common questions that we get. How closely does Connecticut's program mirror those of other states? It is more expansive than other states in, in some respects, and that really has to do with the level of benefit that's paid. But it is very analogous to other states in that it offers paid leave for the same reasons with the exception of family violence leave, which is unique to Connecticut. Uh, and it mirrors the federal leave in many ways in terms of the reasons that are offered. We have a much more generous leave. And the biggest difference between ours and other states is that we offer is, is that on the family and medical leave side, not the paid leave, there is job protection that's available after three months of work with your employer as opposed to 12 months, which is how the, the statute exists before it changes in 2022. If people want to learn more about this program, where can they go? They should come to our website, which is ctpaidleave.org. And there we really just have an abundance of information. We have videos, we have documents you can download. There is even a calculator on the site that will tell you how much one half of 1% is based on your wages. So virtually anything you would want to know about paid leave, you can find on our site. So explain to us what's going to be happening between now and January 1st, in addition to hopefully signing up more employers. Yes. Yeah, so in addition to that, we will continue to encourage employers to register. And we are pivoting and working very hard to make sure that the claims administration, meaning the ability to apply for benefits and receive your benefits, works the way that it should. 
So that is really our focus for the remainder of the year. How large a staff do you have? Because it's it's kind of like a, a little insurance company being set up here. It is absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that because I don't think many people really recognize that. It is insurance. Our full name is the Connecticut Paid Family and Medical Leave Insurance Authority. There are only 14 of us that work at the authority, and that's actually double the number of people that were working there in September. And it's not poised to get much bigger. So we are really trying to do our best with the number of people that we have. We're very cognizant of the fact that uh, the administration of the program is also paid through the one half of 1%. And we're trying to keep our staff numbers as low as possible, but yet deliver the best quality that we can. She is Andrea Barton-Reeves, CEO of the Connecticut Paid Leave Authority. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.